Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And welcome back. You can find us online, Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook, on Twitter, at Ryan Recker. Joining us now is the founder and executive chef at Slapfish and celebrity chef Andrew Gruel. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I appreciate the time here. And I know that you've seen all kinds of restrictions across the country here in St. Louis. It's kind of an interesting region. I don't know if you spend any time here, but we have the city of St. Louis and then it's surrounded by St. Louis County, which are two different governments. And both of the governments found different ways to handle different restrictions when it came to the coronavirus. So if you were inside of the city, the restrictions were not as strict as it was in the county. And the executive there, Sam Page, ramped up restrictions and really singled out restaurants and made it so restrictive for restaurants when all of the other surrounding areas weren't seeing the same restrictions. It was really unfair. And, you know, you're not seeing the same restrictions for other businesses. You can go to a casino and there's no restrictions, but you go to a restaurant and there's a million restrictions. And I'm sure you're seeing stuff like that still across the country. Yeah, and I think that that underscores the hypocrisy that we've seen across various jurisdictions from allowing one business to operate while the other one can't in pretty much the same type of setting and obviously with the same theoretical risk when it comes to spreading coronavirus. You know what I'm worried about? And I don't know if this worries you. I'm worried that if we were to revise this playbook in the future, the go-to is we're got to restrict restaurants again, because we know that at any given time, if there is any sort of viral anything that's going around, it might not be this strain of the coronavirus. It could be something else that pops up. The first thing that people are going to want to do is shut down restaurants. And I keep thinking, how in the world is that industry going to recover if that is looming over them all the time? Well, it's a great point that you bring up, and that's what I've said from the beginning. The ways in which restaurants have been vilified here is unbelievable, and I think that it's dangerous. And here's why it's dangerous. We talk about the unintended consequences of government overreach. Restaurants are trained to be safe and sanitary. That is part of our DNA. From the $6 an hour uh, you know, server, that's a $6 an hour tipped wage, <laughs> You know, <laughs> to the manager, we all have our food handlers cards. We all go through serve safe certification. It is just required. It's part of 
of what we do. And we were at the forefront of fighting this from the very beginning until suddenly we became this punching bag, scapegoat, if you will, for being these vectors of spread when, frankly, the data, the science, the numbers do not prove that. But it's already been implanted in people's minds. And that's why the industry as a whole now is taking the kind of the psychological hit, if you will, when it comes to people talking about what they're going to do and what risks they're going to take. Restaurants are in that high risk category when that's not the case. And I think that a lot of times the government really comes down hard in areas where they shouldn't. And sometimes it's pointed out that the numbers just don't justify the higher restrictions. And that's what happened even here in St. Louis. The city looked at the numbers and they said it just doesn't justify. We're not seeing the spread of the COVID. We're not seeing transmission of it inside restaurants. We don't think we need this extra restrictions. In the county, they did it anyway. They just said, oh, well, it has to be that sort of thing. So it got a lot of people upset locally. And I I think about the way the government interacts with business owners. And that would scare me if I was a business owner. It would scare me into making decisions of where I do business, who I do business with. Do I want to be in this area where I know at any given time an executive could come in and just take away my livelihood? And I don't want to have to go through this every year. So that has to be something that a lot of restaurant owners are factoring into the future of their business models. Of course. And the precedent has been set now um, and the door is wide open for this to happen, as you mentioned in the beginning of this conversation over and over and over again. And the reason why I say it's dangerous is because let's use real world examples, anecdotal, but still to show exactly what happens when they you know, implement these unnecessary restrictions. Here in California, they banned outdoor dining. And when they did that uh, in December, I said, watch what's going to happen. In the next two to three weeks, you're going to see a crazy spike in cases because now everybody is going to jam into their backyard. They're going to jam into their kitchen. And as we know, household spread is the worst. Now, that's not between the household, but that's just people coming from the outside into your household. And lo and behold, three weeks later, cases spiked. Two weeks after that, the deaths start to go up. You see, that's a scenario where their action actually created worse outcome than had they not done anything at all, especially when it came to the restaurant element of this. Not, and, and I have innumerable stories similar to that that we could go on and on about. Mm-hmm. Celebrity chef Andrew Gruel joining us here on KMOX. And it is encouraging to see a lot of times restaurant owners helping each other. You've gone through this and you've raised money for other restaurants that are down on their luck and need a little extra hand, which I think is very encouraging. We saw other organizations doing the same thing. The, I think it was Barstool Sports and some of these people that have made a, an effort to try to help save some of their favorite restaurants. And locally, there's been people that have been doing the same thing. But the thing that to me, it's encouraging that there are people out there that want to help. It's discouraging to think that a lot of times they have to make it into charity because the government is unfairly treating them and it shouldn't have to be something like that. That's, that's the thing that I I look at. It's almost like a bittersweet thing that the support system is there and other restaurant owners and people have their favorite spots backs, but at the same time they're doing it because the government is forcing them to do it, you know, in order to try to pick up the slack. That's the part that I have a hard time getting over. And bittersweet is a great description because what we've seen is the power of community. We pulled, you know, we pulled together and we said we're going to try and raise five, ten thousand dollars max to help both restaurants and employees primarily. Barstool was helping the businesses. We were actually helping the, the team members, those employees who couldn't put food on the table or going into the holidays had to choose between food or gifts for their kids. Um, and we immediately surpassed that amount. We've raised almost $400,000 already and distributed every penny of it. We've matched a lot ourselves. But what's really, really heartwarming about this is that we've had people calling up from all over, and they've said, look, I'm just I'm sending you a check in the mail. 
give it to whatever employee needs it. We love the way you're speaking out about this, and we want to be able to support. And this is bipartisan. This was not Democrat, Republican. This was just people who wanted to support the community. Help me to maybe get into your social media feed. So I do follow you on Twitter. I think we follow each other, which is great. And I see the different photos you post of food. And I I really am curious, are you actually taking photographs of food that you're cooking that day? Or have you just banked up a lot of food photos and you're spreading those out over the course of time? (laughs) <laughs> well, consider me the, uh, you know, the fantasy food account. And uh, we do follow each other. We're like best friends now. Um, the, uh, it's a little bit of everything, right? So one of the things I love to feed people and I love to give people food as a means by which they can uh, relax, if you will, food meditation. But most of what I, what I post is food that's going out to customers or I'm in menu development mode or um, and this is where people say to me, oh, you couldn't possibly be eating that. I cook for the crew every time I'm in the restaurant. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of the fun thing to be able to do, give people a great meal, all my team members. So most of what I post is, that's over the top that doesn't necessarily fit the seafood genre, that's going to our team members. So your founder, uh, executive chef at Slapfish, by the way, if people wanted to find you on social media, where can they look? Um, Twitter at Chef Gruel, Instagram at Andrew Gruel. Um, and, uh, I've still yet to set up an only pans <laughs> <laughs> with these photographs. I, let me just say, it's very difficult to photograph food and make it look great. It's a challenge for even professional photographers, but somehow you can do it with a cell phone. I don't know what your secret is. It's just good lighting on natural lighting. That's really all that matters and making sure <laughs> that the food screams saucy. Uh Uh-huh. Lots of that. You know, by the way, what's the popular foods that people are really enjoying? Is there any trends that are going on now that you find yourself gravitating towards? Yeah, great question. Um, We're starting to see a lot more fine dining types of food ending up in sandwiches, right? So um, I I predict it, and maybe I'm just self-promoting a lot of my own stuff, but we're seeing a lot of these um, traditional well-known dishes ending up in kind of over-the-top sandwich-like situations. So, you know, schnitzels, for example, which is traditionally just, you know, a pounded veal or chicken steak with a little bit of lemon on it. We're seeing schnitzel sandwiches, or we're seeing schnitzel on pizza. So, you know, kind of common man food, approachable food with fine dining ingredients in that type of a vessel. I like that. There's some great sandwich shops here. Do you ever make it to St. Louis? Oh, St. Louis food scene is unreal. It is one of those gems where I try not to talk about it too much because I want to get there myself one day and open up a little string of restaurants because the palate there, the food and the food history you know, that deep European root of people understanding and appreciating good food from so many different regions. Mm -hmm. See, I do a show on the weekends, a family business show, and a lot of times it tracks different generations of business owners, and sometimes it can go back 150 years. A lot of it has to do with St. Louis being a big transportation hub. So sometimes they'd be traveling across country. They would stop in St. Louis either to continue on to their destination, but they'd like it here so much, or they would find other people that look like them, and they would just decide to make a home here. They decided to stay in St. Louis, and it worked out pretty well. So we have such a great cross-reference of different cultures and food and things and it really is an awesome thing that me as an outsider i moved to st louis about four years ago didn't really realize that till i moved here and i think people here are just spoiled they don't realize what great food they have right in front of them at any given time yeah and it still has that community feel is what i love about it is that you can kind of still get the, that that hole in the wall type food that's not 
hole in the wall to be avant-garde, right? Here here in Los Angeles, Orange County area, people do create, they create these contemporary holes in the wall to be like, hey, look, we're hole in the wall. But no, the value of a good hole in the wall joint is that it's been there for decades and that not much has changed, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's, um, w- when you're a celebrity chef, is there a certain pressure to make sure no one sees you eating like, you know, oh, no, that's like trash food. Like, you know, the, the, the junk food stuff, do you always have to feel like you're eating high-class, upper-end food? Well, I, I consider myself, and thank you for saying celebrity chef, I consider myself to be more of like a people's chef because, um, yeah. heck, the vanity for me went out the window a long time ago. But um, so, so I actually like to be, uh, you know, you'll find me typically jamming down a hot dog, a piece of pizza. I've also got four kids, so... Uh, um, you know, I, I say healthy junk food, you know, and the joke I make is that as long as you're making food from scratch ingredients and every now and then you can indulge, you can have those high fat foods, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that comfort food that we all know and love, uh, as long as it doesn't have too many chemicals in it, go for it. <laughs> yeah. One, one last question. And I knew a friend, he owned his family owned a bakery and he was always bringing food into school to sell to his classmates. Do your kids do that? Oh my gosh, my kids are these little food entrepreneurs. They keep taking things from the restaurants and then <laughs> the kids around the block. I'm like, I could have sworn we had 20 lobsters. <laughs> well, good for them. They're learning, and this is good news. Okay, one more time. If people wanted to find you online, where can they look? Um, at Chef Gruel on Twitter um, and uh, or Chef Gruel, www.chefgruel.com, and that will open you to the universe of social outlets. Great. Chef Andrew Gruel, thank you so much for coming on to Overnight America. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, that was really fun. He joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. And really, go check out his photos online, and I think you'll get a pretty good feel for him as an individual. And he's done some really great work fundraising for restaurant workers, just like you've seen other people in local communities try to help out their restaurants and really make a good push. He's been doing the same and has made a really great effort at that. This is Overnight America KMOX. Trusted information live and local from the award-winning KMOX newsroom. Here we are on Overnight America. Chef Andrew Gruel, G-R-U-E-L. Go look him up on Twitter. He really does post some awesome looking things. There has to be a lot of pressure, I guess, to post photographs if you are a celebrity chef that you have to associate yourself with just awesome food at all times. And I will say I know him through social media, mostly because I don't watch the celebrity food shows. If um, if you do recognize him, he was on Food Network's Food Truck Face-Off. He was a judge on that show, and he's got a chain of restaurants out in California, Slapfish, that's pretty popular be cool if we found him branching out in other places here. But he also had some uh, notoriety. You see him on Fox News and some of these other national outlets. They'll bring him on to talk about what's going on with the restaurant business. He is very good at defending and also bringing out the positives there, which I think are well needed in a time like this. We've seen it. It's not just a St. Louis thing. I mean, there's other areas that are still battling the unnecessary restrictions in the restaurant industry. So a couple of things I wanted to get to. Uh, nearly half of new U.S. virus infections are in five states. You want to guess the five states? I should play the Jeopardy theme here. New York, Michigan, Florida, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. About 44% of the new COVID infections are from those five states. New York, Michigan, 
Florida, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. It's interesting to think in Missouri, a lot of people criticize Governor Parson. Oh, you're not doing enough. You're no, you're not doing a mandate. But we've done pretty well. I mean, when you look at the statistics, we're in, normally in the top 10 when it comes to the way that the states have fared versus some of these other states that have been hit pretty hard. doesn't surprise me about New York. Uh, look at their governor. Man, they got all kinds of issues still with Andrew Cuomo. But Michigan, too, in some of those areas you saw had some of the highest restrictions in Florida had some of the lowest restrictions. It's weird the way that these things could play out sometimes. Uh, and, and what they're basically saying now is that these different states are coming forward and saying, hey, uh, maybe we can use extra doses of the vaccine. We'll use this as our opportunity to try to talk to the Biden White House and say, we got this uptick. So how about you send us a little more? We could we could use it. How about you? How about you a little couple fall off the back of the truck, you know, when it's coming through our state? Wouldn't that be nice? And here in Missouri, and at least in St. Louis, you hear these updates from the mass vaccination sites that they're going to start the walk-ins. So as opposed to having to have a, a number and a name and all of these things and you have to sign up ahead of time, we're finding that they're underserving. They're not getting the amount of people that they thought they would. So they're going to start welcoming walk-ins. And I saw a, an article online, too, in some places said, that you can even call some of your local pharmacies and places that are administering the vaccine and tell them, hey, do you have any extra that people didn't show up or some that are going to go to waste? Because if you do, hey, I don't mind. I'll come in and we'll just do a quick jab, a boom, 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 and we'll be out of here. I kind of like that idea that you can just say, hey, you got any extra? And I'll be there in five minutes. That's my kind of way of doing things. Uh, Michigan has seen the highest rate of new infections in the past two weeks. Governor Whitmer there said she does not plan to tighten restrictions. Uh, she's already got bit a couple of times tightening restrictions there. And they're finding that some of these uh, vax, uh, vaccination sites have been pretty effective. So they're hoping to stay the course, at least. New York vaccination appointments are still challenging to get. Bill de Blasio has publicly said that the federal government may need a bigger vaccine allotment in order to get all of New York in that sense. So let's just be lucky that we have, I, won't, I don't want to use the term surplus, but we have, at least in the news, walk-ins available. So it gives you at least the little bit of comfort that you don't have to drive five hours to get a vaccine round trip or whatever it is. And then if you were someone that decided, well, I got to get the vaccine right now, so I'm going to go two hours south or two hours north or whatever, and then they call you up and say, come get the second one, you're thinking to yourself, uh, no, I don't think so. I'll take a 70% effectiveness over a 95% if it saves me another two, you know, two and a half hour, five hour round trip. So that's the type of decisions that people are making here. I just think that in the future, with the way that we are trying to get this out as fast as possible, we're going to look back at this and say, it's pretty remarkable what we were able to do. Right now, it might be a little bit difficult to accept that, because there is this giant need for it and people want to be safe and they want to get back to normal and they want to see their family members and they want to know that the people around them are protected. So right now it's this, hey, we're in survival mode. But when we go back and look and say, how in the world did we develop a vaccine, let alone multiple vaccines, release it to the public and have herd immunity in the what total time of 15 months is what we're looking at? That's pretty remarkable. So I think that we have a lot to be proud of, even if we, you know, right now are bickering at some of these little things. And it doesn't bring you a lot of comfort if you know someone that's affected by this or still struggling from this or whatever. I, I understand. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, when we start to look back, I feel like we 
it, it could have been a lot worse. All right, when we come back, Tom Sullivan, local county watchdog, the latest that's going on with the county council and a couple of developments from there. He's going to join us right after the break. We'll take a look at your weather, too. It's Overnight America KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Get the inside story on what's happening with your St. Louis Cardinals this season directly from the Redbirds manager. It's the Mike Schilt Show, Sunday mornings at 10.15, sponsored by Bath Fitter, on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back. Joining us now is a friend of the show, someone that we bring on to talk about issues in the county. You place uh, very close attention to it. Tom Sullivan, how are you? I'm doing fine, Ryan. Well, thanks for coming back on. And I think it's been a couple of weeks since we've spoke, and I'm not sure if there's been a lot of exciting things that have been going on, but a lot of ongoing issues. And I'm curious, based on the county council meeting from yesterday, some of the new things that are on the table that people are watching. Well, one of the issues that we've talked about uh, many times has to do with the St. Louis County Auditor. Uh, he's been... The current auditor has been the auditor for four years uh, this month, or actually last month, and I think the county council is finally ready to make a change. Last night they passed an ordinance that increases the qualifications for the county auditor. Now the county auditor is going to have to have a bachelor's degree with postgraduate uh, degree in accounting, 
or have a, be a certified public accountant, or be a certified internal auditor, or a certified fraud examiner, and have to have five years of auditing experience. So it looks like they are finally uh, ready to make a move and get a new county auditor. Wow. Can I just mention that we, for the past four years, have had a county auditor that hasn't conducted a formal audit? Why weren't these restrictions in place to begin with? This seems common knowledge. It's amazing to me that now these restrictions come by four years later. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, there, there, there is a, a qualification in, in the county charter, but it's, it's very vague. It only talks about having uh, years of auditing experience, or actually years of accounting experience, I believe. Well, that could be anything. You know, that could be balancing your checkbook. And, you know, a, <laughs> it's, it's another example of when you write charters, uh, people don't pay attention sometimes to all the details, and they don't consider all the possible ramifications. Uh, we saw that with the uh, with the uh, battle over who could be chair of the uh, of the county council earlier this year. Right. So the one issue with the bathroom thing, and we've seen other areas grapple this. Was the county council talking about it this week? Well, they were. Uh, all of a sudden, Sam Page, county executive Sam Page, has came out with an executive order that says they are you're going to have bathrooms that are neutral as far as gender goes. I have no idea what caused him to, uh, to come up with this, uh, but, you know, he's pretty much following the uh, progressive agenda, and this is one of the things that, uh, uh, that they promote. Uh, I have never seen anybody come before the county council and say that this is a problem. But if you look at his executive order, it says, whereas choosing which restroom to use can be a source of distress, especially for people who are gender-fluid, gender-expansive, or non-binary. For those who don't know, non-binary means someone that claims to be neither a man or a woman. Mm. So what is the reach of this? I, I guess I haven't actually seen this executive order, but there's a lot of places, county buildings, that yeah, have locker rooms, buildings. changing facilities, things like that. Okay, so this is just government buildings that are conducting business. This Does, does it ex- extend further than that? Yeah, this just covers uh, county buildings, and uh, the, the issue that was raised, of course, is, first of all, does he have the authority to do that? I mean, the legislative authority in, in, in the county is, is vested in the county council. Uh, this seems to be quite a reach, uh, no question about it, and uh, we've had that same issue in Washington. Then they've raised issues, uh, Councilman Tim Fitch, about whether there should be locks on the on the bathroom or in the stalls. Apparently, there was a situation. There's been a situation in previous years where uh, a male was in the in a in the same bathroom with a woman and apparently attacked her or something. So that's there's going to be some more discussion about this at the next council meeting. But why this came came around? Uh, why he came? Why Sam Page decided to come up with this now? I have no idea. Well, with Sam Page. So he was absent from this meeting. Is this something that is abnormal, or has he not been showing up to meetings lately? Uh, he misses one every once in a while. You know, as you know, the county charter mandates that the county executive attend every meeting. That's what got uh, uh, Steve Stinger into trouble, among other things. He missed something like, I think, nine or ten in, in a row. So uh, where the county executive was, uh, I don't know. But they had questions for him, and uh, rather than just accept the the executive order, they said, let's hold it till next week so we can have questions for the uh, the county executive. 
Uh, is it possible that he was working his part-time job and he had to miss the county meeting? <laughs> uh, that's a possibility, but you have somebody suggested he's been a supporter of Tashara Jones, so maybe he, been, he maybe he was at her watch party. No telling. Mm, that's true. Well, what about this part-time job? So that still hasn't been settled, and I don't understand when it's pretty clear that as a county executive, you're not allowed to have another job, but still we find him having another job. I don't understand why that's acceptable. Well, I'm surprised that when it matter was brought up, I thought he would just say, oh, well, you know, if there's questions about this, I'll, I'll just won't be working uh, my job as an anesthesiologist. But as, as best as anybody can figure, he never he never quit the job. He, he continued to do it part time. And he's, he will be the uh, he will be county executive for two years at the end of this month. So it seems that from the very beginning, he has worked his job. And, and when one of the questions that was asked of him by the council members uh, when, it, when it came to deciding on who would be county executive, what about your job? And he says, oh, I'm going to take a leave of absence. So apparently he's not working full-time, but he is working part-time. And to what degree, nobody knows. But I mentioned that at the council meeting last night. I said this matter, uh, it needs to be resolved. It just can't continue to go on like this. So, uh, joining us here is Tom Sullivan, a local county watchdog. And I wanted to ask you about the earnings tax because we've talked a lot about the city of St. Louis and it going to vote or whatever, but then we find that there's other opposition to it and other people and counties are trying to figure out how to handle this as more people are working from home. So at the county meeting, was there a disagreement on the earnings tax this week? Uh, well, there was a resolution against the earnings tax for St. Louis County. Uh, if you recall, we had the rather bizarre situation where last week Sashara Jones came out and suggested that St. Louis County should have an earnings tax. And she also suggested that maybe it should be higher than what they have in the city. Uh, and she said that the more you make, uh, the more you should pay. Well, Councilmember Tim Fitch uh, jumped on that. He came out with a resolution at the meeting and uh, you know gave all the reasons as to why he should not have one. And, and uh, at any rate, it, it, it shouldn't be suggested by a, uh, by a, by a city official, and it passed. But it was only passed by five to two. Uh, Councilwoman Clancy, who is a ally of Council of County Executive Sam Page, she voted against it, as did Kelly Dunaway, who is also an ally of, of the county executive. So all of a sudden, these questions are raised. Well, where did Tashara Jones come up with this act? Is does she have a discussion with Sam Page, or what's going on? And Sam Page has come out and said, no, he's not for it. But uh, it just raises a, a lot of questions. I know that during the debates here in St. Louis, the mayoral debates, Tashara Jones brought up that she talks to Sam Page regularly. I'm not sure how frequent that is, but it makes it sound like at least weekly. And one of the big pushes is trying to get this different area, all the different area leaders together in order to try to tackle the violent crime in St. Louis. And I wonder if that's going to be on the agenda in the future about what St. Louis County's obligation will be or what they'll be asked to do in order to try to help fight the crime in the city of St. Louis. Do you know if there's any indication or anyone on the county council discussing what they may be able to do to lend a hand or if they're going to in the, for the city of St. Louis? Well, the the feeling is that if, if Tashara Jones came out and said that the county ought to have an earnings tax and it ought to be higher than the city, that somehow there's discussions about sharing it with the city. And it could be for fighting crime. It could be for uh, any number of things. But that's what that's what the fact that she came out and mentioned it and, 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 and since she's friends with Sam Page, who endorsed her, 
Uh, that's what the first thing everybody thought of is that there's something underway to have an earnings tax in St. Louis County and somehow share share the revenue with the city. Uh, it just seems like it's very preliminary, but still it's, it's pretty strange for a city official to be suggesting that the county uh, enact an earnings tax. It also makes me wonder if everyone is kind of like on the same page, if it's almost like the city-county merger that was discussed before, except it's not on paper, but the leaders of the two areas are out there acting as if it was and trying to conduct business as if it was and forgetting about all of the different uh, views and opinions of the people that live there. I wonder if it might be one of those deals where it's just, you know, a wink and a nod and everyone tries to cooperate in that sense. Uh, something else I wanted to ask you about is the power, the, the balance of power. Have we seen challenges to Sam Page as of late? Anything that you would look at the county council and say it looks like they might be able to stand up and uh, unite against some of the things that are coming up? Oh, yeah, they, they already have. I mean, he lost, he lost control of the, uh, of the county council last year when uh, Rita Days, who was, who was uh, one of the four Democrats, she she basically was supporting him ever since uh, she'd been on the council, but she she more or less uh, went out on her own, and she is not she is not backing Sam Page. So we have a we have a setup now where there's there's four Democrats who are are or I should say four council members who have sort of have a a, a coalition not not against everything that Sam Page is for, but they but on big issues they generally do not support him. So he. He's not going to be able to get things through. In particular, we have the $200 million coming from the federal government. And the situation we had before where Sam Page basically decided all, all by himself how the money is going to be spent, that's not going to happen again, that's for sure. So, yes, things have changed, uh, changed considerably in, uh, on the county council and in county government. In the accounting of how some of this money was spent before, there's still people questioning, um, you know, why isn't this being laid out um, and the transparency of it all. I think a lot of people feel burnt from the last time around. They don't like the idea that you can jam through what you want. We saw all this wasteful spending the first time around. They're not feeling so confident that it's going to be spent in a responsible way. So hopefully the county council will be able to at least look at that and say, not again, that there has to be oversight, at least from the county council. I think they are very determined uh, to do that this time around, and there are a lot of questions about how the previous grant was spent and the fact that you're handing out uh, no-bid contracts, and, and there's people who have had some of these companies have trouble past. So, I mean, there's just many questions, and uh, apparently we're never going to have a, an accounting for it, but I don't think it's going to happen this time around. I heard Wesley Bell needs some new TV, so they might be able to spend some more money mounting those in there. Uh, just kidding. So uh, joining us is Tom Sullivan, local county watchdog. Thank you for giving us the update of what's going on in the county council and uh, politics out there. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Ryan. Nice to be with you. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. Yeah, remember some of that funding went towards the prosecutor there, Wesley Bell, bought new TVs and paid people to come and mount these things. Oh, great way to fight the coronavirus. All these other wasteful things. Let's build a permanent facility over in, um, I forgot where it was, but they put that uh, morgue up. Uh, and then there's other things like, oh, let's just rent an entire hotel wing out if we're going to use it or not. Ugh, it's so much wasteful things that went down and so many 
better ways to handle it would have probably have been good to run it through the county council as opposed to unilaterally just doing this sort of thing. Let's hope that this doesn't happen again. All right. This is Overnight America KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. So nice to be with you here tonight. And just another reminder of how cheap I am is this story that I really, really, really like. I saw this online. Shaq went out and did something nice for someone in a mall. So Shaq just is caught doing Shaq things. And I think he is rightfully the face for so many different companies because he's such a good spokesperson and a lovable type of guy and a funny type of guy. I mean, he's got that impression. Either it's all a big act or he is just one of those cool dudes. I interviewed Shaq one time on the phone. He was super cool. And he's in movies, television, does the NBA work for TNT, and also now known for this. Look at this. Shaq randomly <laughs> played for a young man's engagement ring? You know, you know what happened yesterday? When did this happen? This happened yesterday. So I was in looking, I was in Zales looking for some loop earrings. And I seen the guy Harlan. with the blue shirt on. <laughs> yeah, you went to the mall and went to Zales. Wait, what? <laughs> you want me to go to Piedmont Park? You're going to Zales? First of all, I have uh, I have a jewelry line at Zales. First of all, oh okay, Ooh, my bad. What I kind of jewelry? Well, yeah, everything. So anyway, I went in there to get some loop earrings. All right, so he's got he's got a jewelry line. So he's got his name on a lot of different things. So he's like, all right, number one, don't put me in this position because I do business with them. And is it uncommon for someone that has a line to not stop in? I mean, for the most part, if you are associated with a business, you feel like you could just stop in anytime you want, right? Okay, Ooh, my bad. What I'm kind of jewelry? Yeah. So anyway, I went in there to get some loop earrings, and I seen a guy come in. He was just so shy. He was saying, hey, how much do I owe to pay off my ring? It was just, and I was like, my man, I'm, I'm, how much is the ring? And I'm not going to say the amount, but yeah. it's not enough to me, but I just, you know. And this is something that I do every day. The other day, me and my mom went furniture shopping, and this lady, uh, she had a autistic daughter, mm. and you know she was also you know looking to pay for some furniture. And I just, I just took care of her. So I'm meant to, meant to making people happy. So whenever I leave the house, I just try to do a, a good deed. Like I didn't mean, mean, mean for that to get out because I don't do it for that. But like the guy just came in, and you know he's a hard, young kid. He's a hardworking guy. He's like, hey, man, I can come back next month and the next, like, lay away. Like, he's, yeah. you know, he puts the money down, but I was like, you know what? Tell your girlfriend I got to take care of it. At first, he didn't want to take it. He said, man, I can't do that. I said, don't worry about it. I do it all the time. So I'm just trying to make people smile. That's all. Yeah, I'm just trying to make people smile. What an awesome story. Where was Shaq when I was getting my wedding ring? So I bought my wife's wedding ring, and then have I told you where I bought my wedding ring? <laughs> I don't think Shaq goes to Kohl's, but the wedding ring that I wear, I told my wife, I said, listen, I don't want anything fancy. In fact, I want the most bland, bland ring. So we went to Kohl's and I use Kohl's. I know. We use Kohl's cash to get my wedding ring, which I still wear today, which I truly love. Where was Shaq then? He could have came and spent the 80 bucks or whatever this wedding (laughs) wedding ring would have cost. He had to happily have paid for that. This is Overnight America KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 